The Word of the Lord from James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation is the Epistle of James, which I read to you a moment ago, and serves as the basis of our theme for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Salvation. Now that's eternal. Jim Jones. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Jimmy Swaggart. The mere mention of these names either runs a shiver down your spine or draws a smirk upon your face. The first megachurch pastor whose ego led his people to mass suicide in Guyana. The 80s husband and wife team that rose to superstar status and crashed to earth in abuse scandals. And worldwide TV evangelists adored by millions, defrocked by his church for inappropriate liaisons with harlots. These were the household names I grew up with, not because my mother and father would ever dare take me to such a church, but because they were broadcast into our living rooms and thereby familiar to everyone, especially for their scandal. In fact, the scandals became so well known by these household names and others as well, it became a running national joke that scandalized all Christians. Even though the vast majority of biblical Christians never listened to a word they said. It was hard going to college and hearing people critique them and then turn on you as if you were one of them. Well, we tried to explain how we had no affiliation with them, but the association persisted because they were Christian and we were Christian. So how can we not be associated with their degradation as well? Looking back on it and knowing the origin history of Jim Jones in particular, I think they all started out honestly. Preaching from the word of God led to early attraction by people looking for such pure truth in an increasingly chaotic world of licentiousness and vice. 
than success with outreach to the community, helping the poor, widowed, and orphaned, led to more attention from political leaders that wanted to partner with their success by lifting up the downtrodden and giving those without means a hand up instead of a traditional welfare hand out. Then came the news interviews, the recognition beyond their community, and even the opportunity to use the television medium to broadcast their mission goals to hundreds of thousands and even millions. Now, they were not only a local ministry, but a celebrity. Somewhere in the midst of all that and the attraction of such faithful followers, thanks to their charisma, they began to shift their focus, and it was just a matter of time before it all came crashing down around them. They stopped giving God the credit, and they started to believe that they deserved the credit. Oh, they may have paid lip service to it by saying things like, I give God all the glory, but I take all the credit. The truth was, they were robbing God of his glory and giving no credit where it was due. Our text today is where many of them took that wrong turn. And we do well to examine it closely so we do not turn down a spiritually blind alley unto our self-destruction as well. You know, I've not met a pastor yet that regularly anoints people who could not tell me of a miracle healing that happened at least once in the context of anointings he's performed. Just this week, a parishioner asked me if I could anoint her father as he's not well and she did not want to lose hope for his recovery. She found out his pastor did anointings for healing as well and he was more than happy to take care of her father and tend to his spiritual care in his time of need. It's not a Roman Catholic, Episcopal, or Lutheran thing. It's a biblical teaching that most pastors have the training or the means to provide. And it uses all the senses of touch and smell with the word of God to bring comfort to the sinner and assurance of their sins forgiven when they confess them. But it doesn't save us from death. That's what I remind people of most every time I anoint them. You will either be healed here in time or with God in eternity. So it doesn't happen every time. Rather, only every time God wants it to. So I imagine the initial success of healing with some of these famous preachers had to turn into tricks to keep the people coming and thinking they could always heal. So many so practiced in this art of deception actually lie to themselves that they are the healing force, even if they have to fool people into believing they can, even when they can't. One of my favorite actors, Steve Martin, made a movie that poked fun at these types of shysters called Leap of faith. Yusuf Piskin summarizes the plot nicely, saying that Stephen Martin depicts Jonas Nightingale as a fraudulent Christian faith healer who makes a living traveling around America, holding revival meetings and conducting miracles, in quotes, with the help of his friend and manager Jane and their entourage. One of their trucks breaks down in rust water 
a town in desperate need of rain to save their crops. While waiting for spare parts, Jonas decides to hold a revival meeting in the town. But the local sheriff, Will Braverman, is skeptical and tries to prevent his town and its people from being conned. I won't ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it and would like to go see it. But I have to tell you that Steve Martin nailed it out of the park on this movie. He had the sketchiness of all those fake preachers down pat. But I can't imagine it was hard at all to learn how to imitate them. After all, they were all on TV. And you could see them every day selling their snake oil to unsuspecting, spiritually starved people who were all alone at home with no one else to interact with. They succeeded in their scam because we failed to bring those people together and give them the real purpose of anointings. And it definitely was not to make pastors famous. It all comes down to the most misunderstood verse in this passage. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Oh, the ink that has been spilled to write best-selling books by preachers that claim to be the most righteous of them all and thereby the most powerful of all to give you whatever your wildest dreams desired for a small donation by calling one 800 Preacher, me. And a napkin or a plastic cross was sent with healing power to save. All of it, hogwash, bull hockey. As useless as the paper it was printed on. And completely misrepresents how a person becomes righteous. And why they are righteous to begin with. You see, it all starts with the prayer of faith in verse 15. Now let me ask you, who prays with faith? The best ones? Like the sweet lady that says to me, oh, pastor, your prayers are so great and so meaningful. Well, of course they are. I was trained how to do it for three years in the best seminary in the country for biblical pastoral training. Then I had to do an entire year internship under the careful watch of not one, but two bishops who shadowed me everywhere I went and critiqued every visit I made, every sermon I wrote, every worship service I led, and every class I taught. You think for a second those grizzled old veterans of the cross were going to eradicate any poor prayer practice I may have developed? No, sir. And then do you think I was a polished, mistake-free pastor? What you see before you is 21 years in the making with more than my fair share of backsliding and mistakes. So anyone willing to learn with the advantages I had to learning could pray like that. It is not me and of myself that does what you appreciate every week. Rather, as Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What we do by prayer, confession, healing, and anointing is effective Because God is the one 
causing it to be effective. So when you ask yourself, why aren't we healing? I ask, why aren't you praying to the one who actually heals? Our God who holds the universe in his hands like grains of sand, like Simon Le Bon from Duran Duran saying, two of a billion stars, it means so much to me, like a birthday or a pretty view. But I'm sure that you know it is just for you. Now, I know that's not what Simon was talking about, but I can assure you that is what God is talking about. You and me in Christ our Lord, watching miraculous things happen every day because every day is a gift from God. You know, I will never understand why anyone wants the power when God has all the power and takes all the responsibility, guarantees our spirituality, and gives to us endlessly. What did we ever think we could do on our own that could supplant what he has already done on the cross for our sinful mistakes and walked out of the grave, risen from the dead to show us our eternal healing is as sure as his promises and presence in our lives. Healing is temporal, but salvation, now that's eternal. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.